All right, my friends. Well, welcome to uh, a work from home basement here in the middle of hurricane season in late October, early November. Uh, so this is the third installment of talking about this idea of politics, particularly as we head into this election here. And, and in the first two, I've tried to uh, really paint you a picture of my own journey with regards to politics. And in doing so, hopefully uh, maybe help you develop a little bit of empathy as it pertains to why people feel so strongly about certain political issues, even if they disagree with your position. Uh, I also discussed in the second video, this idea that every vote uh, is going to involve some challenges and trade-offs and it needs to always hold one constant in mind, which is God. Uh, this is the one who is on the throne, will be on the throne on November 4th or <laughs> whenever this election is actually decided uh, and who through Jesus is establishing his right rule forever. Uh, I wanted to today though, get away from the vote or the mechanics of that a little bit and dig a little deeper to talk about motivation as we continue to walk this tumultuous road in this season of our nation. And I wanted to do it by looking at Jesus a little more and how he dug into politics. Uh, you know, the reality is, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus did not shy away from politics. And so uh, we're going to see an area where he engages wholeheartedly in Matthew 22 today. And so I'm going to, uh, by the end, read uh, Matthew 22, 15 to 22. Uh, but I'm going to start off with 15 to 17. It says this, Then the Pharisees went and plotted with how to entangle him, Jesus, in his words. And they sent the disciples to him, their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you're true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you don't care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? All right, so what's happening? Well, simply put, the religious leaders of the day were trying to trap Jesus in a political conversation. Taxes were highly politicized then, just as they are today. But in this culture we're reading about, uh, the Jewish people hated the Romans, the occupying force who taxed them oppressively. Um, but to take a stand against them and their taxation would basically mean certain death. The Pharisees were the Jewish ultra-conservative leaders of the day. They brought along with them the Herodians, who would have been the non-Jewish liberal big government folks uh, who were looking to protect Roman interests. The tax question was more important then than it is now, because to the Jews, uh, to the Jews taxation was viewed as ultra burdensome and oppressive, even relative to what some of us may feel even today. These two groups were opposite, and they truly hated each other. But here's the crazy part. They joined forces in this situation against Jesus, really to protect their power from this threat. And again, this threat was Jesus. Here's what was encouraging to me as I thought about this, is that Jesus was put into a similar situation as many of us are today, when someone asks us uh, from one political persuasion or another, uh, a political question. They feel like traps oftentimes. Uh, I would say a couple of times this week, when a person has sniffed a hint of what they perceive to be the opposite of their ideology, uh, I've been somewhat blasted for being unbiblical or unchristian. Uh, and I've seen, at least from a distance on social media, this happened to some of you. So let me give you a couple scenarios. If someone's liberal or Biden leaning and they get a whiff of a vote for Trump, uh, you might be met with, oh, well, you hate women's and women and blacks and those in the LGBTQ community or immigrants or the poor. And the list could go on and on. Uh, if you are someone who is conservative or, or if you're talking to someone who's conservative or Trump leaning and they get a whiff of of what they see in you as liberalism, we get a uh, you're you know, you're fundamentally evil. You can't possibly desire to protect life because you hate the unborn. You certainly hate our country because you're a socialist and you might as well move to Venezuela. Right. 
that, that those are oftentimes the caricatures or the traps that we feel like we walk into when we're having a political conversation. And the end of the day, we can feel an awful lot like Jesus was sitting in the situation where we can't win. Well, Jesus couldn't win in this moment either. Jesus' questioners reason that if he answered that it was right to pay taxes, he would lose favor with the tax burden people. But if he answered that it was wrong to pay taxes, the Romans could accuse him of insurrection. And in both situations, their power would be secured because Jesus, the one who claimed to be God and king, would be easier to kill. Well, let's keep reading. 18. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to him, Whose likeness is on the inscription? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him, and they went away. So what's happening? Well, on one side of the silver denarius, this coin was a profile of Tiberius Caesar. It has a Latin inscription on it, Tiberius Caesar, the son of the divine Augustus, right around the coin's perimeter. And Jesus looks at that and says, give Caesar what's his, give God what's his. He's saying, look, Caesar's image is on this coin. It's his. So give it to him. Give him his due. Uh, now, there's been lots of writing about uh, what exactly this whole entire phrase means. Some is saying that this is carving out separation of church and governmental responsibilities. That's not where we're going to go today. I want to talk about or look at the second half of this statement where he says, render to gods what is God's. You see, what Caesar's is clearly stated in this passage. It's the thing with the image on it, right? But how is what is God's defined here? Well, Jesus answered the part uh, that would satisfy the Herodians, give them their taxes. But why didn't the Jewish people lose their minds at this? Why did they instead just marvel and walk away? Why didn't they lose, or why didn't Jesus lose favor with the tax burden Jewish people in that moment? Well, here's why. It's because Jesus does what he always does. He took the conversation beyond politics or beyond what it was that we often are fishing for. You see, he mentioned the image on the coin, but there's also an implied image stamped somewhere else in this story that the Jewish crowd would have actually been well aware of. This image was stamped on them, knowing the creation account, right? Any good Jew in this moment would be reminded that they too bear an image, and it's the image of God. You see, Jesus is simply saying, give Caesar what's his, but give yourself to God because his image is on you. At this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus has also clearly said, give yourself to me because he's claimed over and over that he is God. And so let me begin to wrap this up. As you approach the polls, or if you voted as you approach this next week or month or year uh, of fallout after the presidential election, the primary question I feel like we need to be asking is that of motivation. Who or what have I given myself to? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Or to put it another way, who has your heart? A barometer to help us uh, with this is, is meditating on the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Asking the question, in all I think, say, and do regarding this vote and politics, am I keeping the two greatest commandments in mind, or am I keeping them in general, right? I've always articulated that, or I've already articulated that neither side of the political aisle or candidate is inspired by the word of God or without fault. They're not. And a vote for either candidate or a write-in vote for Mickey Mouse will involve trade-offs and competing injustices. Hopefully the follower of Christ would have taken time to prayerfully consider the issues and the candidates in light of God's word 
en route to placing their vote, loving and honoring God in the process. And part of that is trusting God's providence in the outcome and in that which is brought to light afterwards, because you know stuff's going to come to light after this election that we weren't aware of when we were making this decision. The loving others barometer is the other place uh, to look to, to see if we're sincerely giving ourselves to God. You see, our default right now, as I've watched, as I've experienced myself, is to condemn others for the horrible, unbiblical political specks in their eye and fail to see the log in our own. And in turn, we fail to love our neighbors as ourselves. Here's some warning signs that we're giving ourselves to something other than Jesus in this category. Fear. Psalm 146 says, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that day, his plans perish. Friends, if we're giving to ourselves to that which is one day going to return to dust, then we will be afraid and we will sow fear in this election. And a good sign of this is that you're almost always posting on social media negatively based uh, information uh, or negative information based on suspect, biased, and partisan information, or worse, conspiracy theories. Here's the thing that that leads to, and the second red flag would be attack. James 3.9 says, with our tongues, and I would add with our fingertips, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Back to the image idea. So here's just a question. Are you attacking, slandering, and gossiping right now? Here's a third red flag that I'm beginning to see more and more, and it's this idea of killing conversation. Uh, this you're going to have to bear with me for one more second as it pertains to not loving our neighbors, especially in the church. You see, I found on numerous occasions I've brought up the other side only to be shut down with, oh, I can't believe anyone who votes for that person or that platform uh, because I don't believe they care for life at all because, and here's a couple of things I've heard this week, um, because uh, they don't they don't protect life at birth. Therefore, they don't care for life in general, or uh, they don't care to protect this particular poor population or people of color or insert your category the way I see best. So they can't possibly care about life in general. But here's, here's the deal. This is at the very least false logic. And it, and, and well, I'll just tell you, it's also very insulting if you're the person standing across from you who actually has thought this through and does care about life on the other side of the platform here. Think about my dad and the story I told you. If you came at him with uh, what you have essentially said, uh, with kind of that dismiss conversation shutdown statement, you're essentially saying to him, I don't care about your suffering, your poverty, the injustice you felt has happened to you uh, that's caused you to land where you've landed. I'm right, you're wrong, you're canceled. And friends, that just flies in the face of places like Galatians 6.2, where it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, if our political stance has influenced us to the point where we can't feel empathy for our neighbor and why they feel the way they do about politics, and that's different than agreement, hear me say that, then I do believe we have actually given ourselves to something other than Jesus. And friends, let those who are without guilt cast the first stone. We're all guilty here. I'm guilty, you're guilty, and we all need to give ourselves to Jesus for his forgiveness and mercy. May we do so as we come across these contentious, uh, rather challenging days, uh, even on Sunday when we see each other in church. And may he give us grace to, to give ourselves to him and to love one another. Have a great weekend.